All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for however you found us. You know what? YouTube, the 411 Mania website, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, what is it now? Like Apple Podcasts, Google Play. I think we're on, I'm not sure if we're on iHeartRadio or not. We might be. Uh, We should be, I think. (laughs) I don't care. However you found us. Thank you. Always appreciated. I'm Robert Winfrey, and eh, your standard show this evening, a review of yesterday UFC on ESPN 6 card, which was, you know, just thank heavens for those last two fights. Just put it like that. A preview of next week. The UFC is in Singapore, so they have a card that starts at an ungodly hour, my time. But is a pretty, you know what? That's a sneakily solid card. I'm not getting, you know, I'm not, you know, jumping out of bed or anything. Actually, I will be, but you know, I'm not jumping up and down over any of the announced fights. But there's some decent stuff on that card. And of course, news of the week, which amounts to a few things, but I don't know, not a tremendous amount of stuff thus far. Anyway, here with me as usual is 411 Mania's jack-of-all-trades, Jeffrey Harris. Jeff, how are you doing this evening? Happy birthday, Robert. I'm not a big mouth effing idiot. Thank you. Yeah, we are recording on my birthday, so... uh, That's not a random thing Jeff threw out. (laughs) All right, let's jump into the UFC on ESPN card, because why not? All right, main event... Chris Weidman, former middleweight champion, making his light heavyweight debut in the UFC. Such a successful decision. Uh, man. Yeah, he gets knocked out by Dominic Reyes, 1 minute 43 seconds into the first round. Uh, Reyes with a really nice, just kind of step back, circle, avoided a lunging right, lands a counter left, drops him, pounds him out on the ground. I... Uh, Dominic Dominic Reyes is the real deal. I mean, he's been kind of on the radar of of you know prospects turned contenders, which is a very short list at 205 right now. In fact, it's him and Alexander Rakic, and that's it. But very high profile win for him. I Weidman was a I haven't seen the numbers yet for this event, but in the wake of beating Anderson Silva twice, Weidman was a surprisingly efficient draw for the UFC and. This could be a look. Reyes' last fight, uh, arguably, could, could uh, should have gone the other way. Very close fight with Vulcan Uzdemir. This was main card ESPN, granted on a Friday instead of a Saturday, but against a guy who might still have a little bit of name value in Chris Weidman. So, highest profile win of his career, to be sure, arguably the biggest. Uh, again, arguably, I'm not sure what position I'd take on that. Uh, he wants a shot at John Jones next, and I don't know who else there would be to get in his way of that at the moment. Johnny Walker. Okay, there's Johnny Walker, yeah. I think that's about it, though. Again, I, I like Rakich. I think Rakich has a lot of upside, but I think he needs one more. Israel pro- Adesanya. Oh, God, no. Just not yet. They're already talking about it, and you know uh, how the MMA media is. Yeah, I do. 
I'm just saying I don't want it right now. That's Corey all Anderson. Yeah, no one cares about Corey Anderson. Oh, he's fighting Johnny Walker next month. Yeah, that ought to tell you how little I know about. I care about Corey Anderson. I forgot he was Less fighting Johnny weeks. Walker. Less than two weeks. It's a very relevant fight. Uh, I mean, if Johnny Walker pulls another first-round spectacular knockout, and he might, Corey Anderson is a very pedestrian fighter. Yeah, it might be him instead of Reyes, but those two guys, uh, there's a very compelling case. I mean, look, if Corey Anderson wins another grindy decision, especially if it winds up being a split decision, Reyes is your next guy. Well, looking at Jones, this is an interesting fight for him. If it if it were to materialize, um, he'd be fighting a younger fighter, big tall, big and tall fighter. Um, Reyes is a big dude. He's six foot four, undefeated, and now he's six and zero in the UFC. So he's got a lot of things going for him. And he just beat uh, he not he just knocked out a former. Uh, middleweight champion, and he did it in the first round. So, has a knockout win over Jared Cannonier, who's now, you know, a, a surging contender at middleweight, and he beat a former title contender in Uzdemir. So, he's got a, he's put together a fairly strong resume in his UFC run. It's hard yeah, to argue uh, against him getting a title shot. I mean, again, if Johnny Walker does another spectacular thing, you could argue it, but I, I think Reyes is probably the next guy. Still might be too early for Johnny Walker, you know? There's that argument. And again, some of that will depend on the optics coming out of his fight with Corey Anderson, assuming he wins. Corey, you know, Corey Anderson's a whole other can of worms. I mean, look, Corey Anderson basically took Ryan Bader's spot on the roster. Like, he now fills that role. Right. Except, except Brian Bader was a better fighter and won more. Yeah. But he's just that, you know, he's there, he wins on occasion, he loses on occasion. He exists on the periphery of the top five, but it's very clear he's not competitive with the elite, with the anyone ranked above him. Look, Reyes, I mean, look, because the campaigns for Weidman and Rockhold at light heavyweight were unsuccessful, you have to give you have to give a guy like Reyes his due, do you not? Yeah, I, I mean, you don't much. Seem too, you don't seem too impressed by Reyes. It's difficult for me to get overly excited about him coming out of this performance, not because it wasn't good, because it was be- against the declining Chris Weidman. A little bit of that, a little bit also, but it's still Chris. It's still Chris Weidman. And the other thing about Reyes, and I. Uh, look, two fights ago, Chris Weidman finished. He still finished Kelvin Gastelum. Yes, that was over two years ago, but he still finished Kelvin Gastelum inside of two fights. So he had that going for him. He did. It was also his only win in his last five fights prior right. to this. Prior to last night. Right. right. So yes, but Weidman is still a former middleweight champion. Okay. And. Yeah. Considering how much you've complained about the depth at light heavyweight, a guy like Reyes having success is good for this division. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So let's see. Reyes is now ranked number four. Do you do you want to put him? Anthony Smith is three. Santos is two. Cormier is one. Okay. So, Cormier should not be ranked. Santos right, shouldn't be ranked. Right. Because neither of them are actively so, in so the picture. Should be ranked, but pro- maybe not number one or two. Definitely. Okay. I, I wouldn't rank uh, I wouldn't rank Cormier at all. He's not going to fight in the division again. I wouldn't rank Santos just not because he shouldn't be ranked based on merit, but just he's because he's going to be out for not two in the, years. Not in the top two. Not in the top two. So who do you so who do you want at one or two right now? Yeah, the division is so bad in so many ways. Look, Gustafson, Gustafson is still freaking ranked here, and yeah, he's no, he shouldn't he's be ranked either. Basically retired unless he decide you know unless he's Deciding to take another fight at some point, which, I, don't, I mean, he might. You never know. Okay, so hang uh, on. So the, the top three contenders, according to the official rankings by these numbnuts who do Cormier, these things. Cormier, Santos, and Smith. Okay, so we have a guy who hasn't yeah, fought. That's, in the... that's coming right off of last night, so arguably these could change. I'm sure they will a little bit, but you've got a guy who hasn't fought in the division in a couple of years and won't be fighting in the division again. Right. Cormier. Right. You have Santos, who's so catastrophically injured, he's going to be out for two to, for over two years. Or so we think. Maybe he'll be back sooner. I mean, look, I'd be prepared to give him some considerations when he announces his return. Until then, he shouldn't be ranked. I don't and, know. Be a bit soon for that. And Anthony Smith, who I don't have anything against Smith, but if you're just trying to rank yeah, like... I think it's a little lame to say Santos shouldn't even be ranked at all right now because his fight with Jones wasn't that long ago. I Look, again, this is not a meritorious argument for me. This is just a, it's a practical one. You're not going to fight for how long? And you're still ran- no MCL, MCL and PCL. We don't know. He destroyed both of his knees in that fight. He underwent multiple surgeries. The remainder. Alex Davis said the remainder of 2019 in a portion of 2020. So I think you're being. I definitely think you're being premature. So you can trash the rankings and contenders. Well, he he will not. When did I say a portion of 2020? That's like two thirds of it. He's going to be out for a while. We'll see. We'll see. It might be a year or more. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, moreover, I fundamentally... Year, if it's longer than a year, then I'd say yes, take him out of the rankings. But we haven't heard that time frame yet, so I think you're being premature here. I mean, he's going to lie about the time frame anyway. They take, all do. Take him, about the top, take him out of the top five, yeah, sure. But don't... I mean, look, you lose to the champion, you shouldn't be in the top five anymore. All right. So, so where do you, where do you, where, where, so since you're not happy with Cormier, Santos, how do you think the rankings should look like right now? Uh, let me bring them up. I, I need to see the rest of the rankings to get Ray, a look at this. Uh, Blahovich, Blahovich uh, just got a fight, right? Uh, he's, fu- he has one coming up. He's fighting Jacare. Okay. I See, would he could have, he okay. Could have been fighting for the title too. Yeah, there was. I mean, I was surprised he 
in all honesty, I'm surprised he wasn't. I was well, really surprised it, when they announced that fight for him. Lost, well, he had the loss to Santos. So, I mean, how I mean, how strongly do you rank Blahovich after the after the loss to Santos, but beating Luke Rockhold, moving up to light heavyweight? You know, it's kind, it's like the Chris Weidman dilemma. So, okay. considering uh, okay, so considering consider, there's considering Dominic Reyes is undefeated, unbeaten in the UFC, and six and zero. Oh, he arguably should be ahead of Blahovich, who lost to Santos, who lost to Jones. I'm sorry. Okay. If you're asking me how I would rank these. Yeah. Now, understand something. I fundamentally disagree with the premise that a lot of people use for their rankings. Okay. A lot of people try to rank fighters as who's the best in the division. So, assuming Whatever. the champ, hey, right. that's, that's what a lot of people do. Even this is what you're doing is by, is by your own opinion, Robert. I know I'm no no I'm I'm saying this is the this is the prism through which I am doing this. Okay. Okay. A Go lot on. there are people who try to rank when they do the rankings it's okay. So I mean look at middleweight. They have Robert Whitaker as the number 1 contender. He is not the number 1 contender. He got knocked out in two rounds by the champion. He is not the number 1 contender. Paulo Costa is the number 1 contender. Right. But look if you ask me who's the second best fighter in that division, yes it's Whitaker. I tend to view rankings less about who is the set, who is the next best fighter, whereas as opposed to who is the next deserving challenger to I'm the title. I'm if you want to rank Costa's number one over Whitaker right now. Well, just I, I, again, that's that's not. It's I'm like not Costa, it's, it's hard to quantify these things. I'm sorry. Well, again, partially because we have no actual standards for this so my view on it and i've kind of come around on this position the num the guy with the number one next to his name is not the second best fighter in the division it's the next most deserving contender which is not always the same thing because because the champions are not ranked here they're basically right yeah yeah, the champions exist simply at the top of the pedestal okay so if we're going to do that i would have reyes at number one ditto Blahovich at number two. Uh, yeah. Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker at three at this point, just because he's still unbeaten. Is he unbeaten I, overall? I don't know. I don't. I can't remember. He might be, or he had like one loss a while ago. I might put Anderson over Walker, but I think those two are right next to each other. Yeah. Then Rakich. Walker, Walker is. 17 and 3 but he is unbeaten in the UFC. I, yeah, and I think that he's unbeaten not just in the UFC but going back a few years. Like that it's been a while since he's lost. Okay. So I would have one Reyes, two Blahovic, three I'm going to go ahead and put Walker, four Anderson. No, oh, man kills me that i just said that and then i guess i guess you'd have to put you'd still have to put glover Teixeira in there wouldn't you uh for me once you for me after you get past there i agree with all of those by the way okay i would probably do i would probably do um smith at five or six rakich at five or six the one not occupied by smith um uzdemir below that to below that and then fill it in with whoever else is left. 
know. I, I'm also concerned I might be over ranking Johnny Walker. I mean, in some respects we are, but we're also not trying to rank him as, you know, is he the third best fighter in the division? I don't know. I don't know that there's enough evidence it, I mean, to look, that. If he beats, if he be, the, the fact is, if he beats Corey Anderson, he's basically in the title picture. We have to consider that. Yeah. And so is the winner of Blahovic versus his next fight, uh, Jacare. Yeah, Jacare's moving up. Yeah, there's some guys who can no, definitely Jacare, enter the picture. Even though, even though Jacare at light heavyweight, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Weidman and and Rockhold at, at this point. You know, yeah. for guys like for guys like Blahovic and Reyes, but. Look, I mean, we'll, look, is, we'll see. Of this group, Reyes is the only one who's 6-0 and at this point in the UFC. So that's why I have him at the top of the list. Yeah. And he's undefeated, and he's undefeated in his MMA career with over 10 wins. He's 12-0. and I mean, how many, how many, what, what, was John Jones, I think, what, 11-0 and when he won his first title? No, he'd lost, he had that. Uh, DQ loss when he won. All right, but but he had won eleven fights, right? I think so. Pretty close. When he beat Shogun, so Matt Hamill was nine and one. I'm sorry, he was thirteen. And one. So okay, so he was twelve and one. He was twelve and one going into the Shogun fight for the title. Um, Dominic Reyes. Is twelve and zero right now, six and zero in the UFC. So, yeah, I think he I, should he should probably be next. I, I agree. So I think depending on how, but we don't. I mean, we don't know how things are going to roll out with the matchmaking at this point. They might be waiting on an Anderson uh, Johnny Walker fight, especially given how close that one but is. Look, That's coming up soon. But, but look, even looking at Anderson Johnny Walker, I'm not sure I would book either guy in a title fight coming off a win. I'm sorry. I think again, I think you could make an argument for Walker if he's again if he scores another spectacular finish. But even then, it's kind of a thin argument. Let's see, because Corey Anderson has only won his last three, and all of those were just. Weren't, weren't a couple of those decisions kind of close? They just were I, uneventful. I honestly could not tell you in anything about any of those fights, and I guarantee you I watched all of them. Okay, so he beats, let's say Corey Anderson beats Johnny Walker. That gives him four, four wins in a row. Are his four, do you think his four wins are better than Dominic Reyes's? Patrick Cummins, ugh, Glover Cummins. Teixeira, That's former title contender, and Il- Ilir Latifi, who's sort of never moving really... Heavy... Latifi announced he's moving up to heavyweight, actually. Right. But Latifi's, you know, Latifi hasn't been like... He's been a decent competitor, but he's never really been like a, a legit top five guy to me. You know, I would still probably go with Reyes over. Yeah, I still would. Yeah. Uh, again, I I think there might be a push for Johnny Walker if he gets another, you know, highlight real spectacular finish. But I would 
I think Reyes is probably the next most deserving contender. But look, Reyes just got one of those last night, and he's light heavyweight, and he's undefeated, 6-0, and and undefeated in his MMA career. Johnny Walker doesn't have that. So. Now, and again, some of that's also going to come down to who's healthy at any given point in time, how the schedule works out, what other opportunities might become available for John. Like if. Okay, so we had... Knockout by Reyes last night in the main event inside of two minutes. Tell me about that fight. Uh, yes, yeah, so I saw this on Twitter. I think it was Luke Thomas who mentioned it. Uh, when Luke Rockhold, and this is just because Rockhold and Weidman's careers have been so parallel to each other in so many ways. Rockhold moved up to 205, and there's a lot about what he was doing that didn't really look like him when he was at his best at middleweight. He was not light on his feet. He didn't move very well. He still had good kicks, but there's a lot of the stuff that made him successful that he wasn't doing. He just did not look like himself. By contrast, Weidman looked like himself. He had a decent enough jab, which he kind of showed off in the uh, Jacare fight. He was able to get takedowns. I mean, he got Reyes down a couple of times, just couldn't hold him. Uh, And... He just overextended on a punch, got slipped and countered, and I think the wear and tear is just caught up to him. I don't think he's... I mean, I, I hate to say I don't think he's got it anymore because I don't think that's true. In a in a lot of technical respects, he does. But the weight, the moving up in weight did not help at all with the issues of damage he's taken. I mean, if you think about... Let's, Consider the other two high-profile middleweights moving up who thrived at light heavyweight, Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. What were their biggest attributes moving up in weight? It wasn't anything technical. The, the added weight did not necessarily lend a tremendous amount to their game. They just got to... If anything, it just mildly enhanced their durability and they were able to bring a few more a little bit more firepower in some respects to bear when they fought. Light heavyweight is a division that re- the heavier you get, the more this is true. The heavier you get in weight, the less technique is rewarded and the more just kind of ruggedness and durability is rewarded. That that scale inverts as you go down in weight. You can be the most durable son of a gun at two, at you know flyweight or bantamweight, but if your technique sucks, you will amount to nothing. By contrast... Plenty of heavyweights have mediocre to miserable technique, but they're durable, they're gritty, and they hit hard, and that's all you need at that division. Weidman and Rockhold just don't seem to have the durability factor at this point, and it sucks, but I think that's just kind of the way it is. And again, it sucks for those two because they were the premier middleweights. I mean, they were supposed to rematch. They had a great fight. Their first fight is great. You know, Weidman's run up to the title and his defenses. His fight with Machida. Like, that is an underappreciated great fight. You know, uh, Rockhold's run up to the belt. Put on some really, really stellar performances. I think the only answer here is a retirement fight featuring Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman. I mean, Rockhold might already be retired. I don't know. Uh, we, I haven't heard we, we of might, 
officially retire yet. It's not official, but on one of the interviews he gave recently, he just said, "My, I don't even think about fighting at this point in time. So we get nothing official, yeah. and he might just be clearing his head, but... Fighters say that, and then they fight again. They do. A lot of the ones who say yeah. that... Then... Johnson. Well, Anthony Johnson also doesn't really have a tremendous amount going on outside of fighting. I, I thought he had, like, some sort of huge deal. He, uh, he was some like loose. At, there was some loose athletic association with one of the with an NFL team, I think, that never really panned out. That's not what it, that's. He denied that. I don't know if that's true. Uh, yeah, I, that was the rumor. It probably was mostly BS. I, I, is he the one who did, who opened the weed I, shop? I thought, I thought he was getting like. Um... Did he do the? Was he the one who did the dispensary thing? Or yeah, I think that's, it's somebody that's else. Hearing. And I don't know if that's still going on or not. Well, then he got into powerlifting and gained 50 pounds. You seen a picture of him lately? No, I've not. Dude is thick. Let's yeah, he see. he got pretty he- He's He was weighing uh, north of 300 pounds. I think he's lost some of that since he decided he wants to come back, but... Well, we'll see. We'll see if... We'll see how that pans out. I'm not... Still not totally convinced. Well, my point being with Rockhold, Rockhold's a guy that has a lot of other stuff going on. And I'm not saying, again, he's not made it official. I'm not saying he's never going to fight again. I think he's, I think he's athletically peaked as a fighter. Maybe not, you know, athletically for his life, but as a, as an MMA fighter, yes. And I think it's the same with Chris Weidman. Yeah, just... The wear and but tear is a real why, thing. Why not give them a send-off fight against each other? They're down. Again, if both fighters are amenable, I, again, I really liked their first fight. I would be very interested in seeing a rematch. But, you know, Weidman, I I don't see him making a legitimate run at light heavy, at 205. I just don't think that's really in the cards for him. Are there guys in that division he can beat? Yeah. there. I think there absolutely are. Uh, I don't know. Um, Weidman might want to retire. Might want to go to Bellator. He wants to continue fighting. Wouldn't surprise me. He could easily be a two-weight world champion in Bellator. Probably. I, I mean, look. Has, is anybody gonna pick against him in a rematch with, uh, you know, Machida or fight? Or I'd pick him in a rematch with Musashi. Pick against honestly. him in a, uh, if he were to fight Ryan Bader. I'm not sure. I might, but I don't know. Bader's just... Good? I don't know. He's not bad, but he's just kind of... He's just so bleh. He's there. He's there. Like, he exists, uh, and he does a lot of good work. I'm not... He he wins a lot. Like, I'm not... He's not a terrible yeah, fighter. But... And Jeremy Stevens got a do-over this time. No, no eye poke incidents, and this time Rodriguez got the win. Watching so, this fight made me sad that we lost out on a potential rounds four and five. Well, be- because for a three round fight, this was your fight of the night. This was kind of a barn burner, and especially if you're Jeremy Stevens. I said last week that you know when we when I picked Jeremy Stevens originally. 
it was because I thought over five rounds he would do a great job of wearing down Rodriguez, overcoming some adversity in places, but just kind of consistently being able to get to him, slow him down with kicks, wear him down, babe, making him work, and then fit, and then you know, take over as the fight went on. Three rounds, three round fights tend to favor Rodriguez a little more because it's relatively easy for him to take the first. He's just fast and has very, very powerful kicks. And it takes people a, you know, about that first round to kind of get a feel for him. And then all he has to do is win, you know, enough of the second and then just not get finished in the third. And that's kind of what he does generally in three round fights. Um, watching this fight, here's the, here's my big takeaway from this. This might be a somewhat controversial take. He's still the exact same guy that Frankie Edgar smashed. Give him a rematch with Edgar. Frankie Edgar would do the exact same thing to him again. I saw, maybe it's because I need to rewatch the fight. Maybe I need to, again, be a bit more discerning about parts of it, but I saw nothing in terms of the evolution of his game that would lead me to believe he's evolved beyond a point that someone doing what Frankie Edgar did would defeat him handily. Now, some of that's because Frankie is an exceptional, exceptional talent. But there's a lot of just kind of fundamental stuff there that works against him. Right. Now, cre- now, credit to him in the second. I, I am shocked he didn't get a single official 10-8 in the second round. We were under the new scoring criteria last night. He absolutely did enough to earn a 10-8 from where I was sitting. That I know Jeremy Stevens ended the round on top and ended the round strong. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But the criteria for 10-8 under the new system is not domination of a round from bell to bell. It's winning the round by a wide enough margin. And given that he nearly got a finish uh, and had Jeremy Stevens, you know, he, outstri- he had like a 30-plus strike differential for that round, I think. And again, near finish, massive numerical disparity, enough for a 10-8. Or a That's 10-7. Just, I don't think you could justify a 10-7 in that round. All right. Well, another Greg Hardy fight. Another chaotic crap <laughs> oh, show. Okay, let, let's... Greg Hardy, stop fighting. This is not working out, man. This is just... It's embarrassing at this point that you cannot get your act together. Hang on. I'm going to... God help me. You're going to defend Greg Hardy. Go ahead, Robert. You have I am, the I am not going to necessarily defend Greg Hardy in total, okay? What that happened to him? Okay, like, it sounds like you're waffling now. No, just, there's an appropriate qualification here. First of all, again, the the initial decision was a unanimous decision for Greg Hardy. The fight was largely terrible. Uh, this might but be my worst fight so- of the year so far. Even though I, I didn't predict Greg Hardy win, he did not walk away with a win last night. I yeah. should have picked the DQ. I should have. I just should. Anyway. Wasn't a Greg, DQ, though. Was a no- I know, but a DQ would be, a closer, would be closer to accurate. Um, what yeah. happened was between rounds two and three, and, and I'm going to go into the details here a little bit because there's literally nothing. There's Hang on. There's not literally nothing. There's three minor things about the fight itself that I can touch on briefly. But between rounds two and three, Greg Hardy asks a uh, some kind of administrator who is there because 
there are commission officials watching the corner work. He asks one of them if he can take a shot from his inhaler because apparently he's got asthma. And I and look, I'm not passing judgment on uh, asthma affects a lot of people. And this guy said yes. Did the guy in the cage actually say yes? Yes. I I've heard he never actually responded. I don't based on most of the reports I've heard say that he uh, that he indicated the affirmative. The issue was the official hey, question. Just because he did that doesn't mean it's allowed, though. Yeah, which is the bigger thing here. So he takes a shot from this inhaler and sees out the fight. Again, wins the decision officially. Like, no, the rule. Just because you're ignorant of the rules doesn't mean you did nothing wrong. I'm sorry. No, but here's my thing about this, and I'll, I'll be very clear. Look, look, I of all the people who screwed up here to get us to this point, Greg Hardy did the least. You've got a corner. I fr- I don't know who all of his cornermen were, but they're all from American Top Team. I know Dean. I know Dean Thomas was one of them. Dean Thomas is a great coach, a great corner man, veteran of the sport, competed in the UFC for a long time. He should have known better. Whatever moron you've got in that blazer cage side going, yeah, sure, go ahead, take a shot. If you're an official representative of the sanctioning body, you should know the damn rules. That there guy catastrophically like screwed 10 up. years ago with King Mo and Strikeforce where he had a can. Like an oxygen can. Of, of straight air, mind you. That was nothing but O2. <laughs> but I, I've heard even that in, in, that might not be allowed. It's, it isn't. It's not allowed. You know what you can, and you can, if you want to argue that this is regulatory overreach, fine. I'm not making that. I am, that is not the issue at hand at the moment. You, as the fighter, are allowed to consume exactly one thing. Water. Water. But what what was the what was the what was the answer regarding King Mo all those years ago? Strike. Oh, he got fined. I think like, there, there might, it was like a fine, a minor suspension. I want to say something okay. like that. All right. I mean, the the fight result wasn't overturned, but it Where, has well, come up. A, hang on. A it was Bellator. B what state were they in? Was it Bellator? Bellator Strike Force. One. It was. I thought it uh, was probably there. Strike. I think it was Texas, as I recall. Uh, are we really going to, you know, talk about the Texas regulatory body here because those jokers? Maybe. Uh, the the Texas Department it of... Might, it might not have been... T- it could have been Nashville. I don't know. There, that, I mean, given how much they just operate out of California, California might have taken a slightly different approach to it. I don't know. Um... They might have only given him something like that because I think he took that shot like as they were being announced before the fight had officially started. KJ Noons once as well. Yeah, KJ Noons got in trouble for it too. Yeah, you're just not allowed to. And look, if you want to argue that that's a stupid rule that you know fighters should be able to have an oxygen tank or a preset, you know, there's some you know compressed yeah, oxygen. There's a, there's there's something like he had a TUE, but. I think the TUE for the asthma is probably for training. Yeah. Not you're allowed to take it into the fight, into the cage with you and take it between rounds. 
Yeah, look, again, there's there's plenty of things that you are allowed to do outside of by whatever I mean, sex in yes, body. I understand like an inhaler for medicine, but it's like you can't like take a break and take medicine inside the cage, right? Oh, yeah. Look, there's so many things that you are legally allowed to do outside of even. Um, okay, look, setting aside legally, the sanctioning body has the you know, has their list of approved crap. Yeah. Guess how radically that changes once you actually get in the cage. Here's, All here's, of it goes I mean, away. Here's what I have to say to that. I think you're letting Greg Hardy far too much off the hook. Uh, he should have been more. He should have been more aware. Just like King Mo, when he tried to claim ignorance for his failed drug test, and he didn't like, he's like, oh, I didn't know this substance was bad or anything, because you, you, the, the ignorance argument is not going to work in front of a like committee. I'm sorry. Uh, again, I am, and look, I'm fine with the result being overturned. I thought they should have disqualified him. Not because, and again, of all the people who screwed up, he did the least. I think if he says, hey, can I have my inhaler? And the people there who are supposed to know the rules and look out for you know the adjudication thereof or the best interest of the fighter go, no, that's against the rules. Then, you know, the whole, I mean, there's an argument that he was so gassed at the end what of that second round. What are they supposed to do in that moment? Are they supposed to knock it away? Is there even a protocol for that? It's not supposed to be in the... I think, hang on. If you have asthma, his cornerman can probably have it in the result of an emergency. But again, like my understanding of how, what happened, he what asked, but, but does any anyone even know the proper protocol? Okay. Someone whips out an asthma inhaler. He's trying to give him an inhaler in between rounds. What do we do? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I wish I knew the pro. I wish there was an established set of procedures for this. I really do. I mean, it well, would not be out of bounds for the he, ref to he, just he stop the fight. This guesswork, and we need all we need all one set of rules. That's what we need, and you know I'm right. It would not solve the problem, but it would be better than we are now. Well, that's what I'm talking about: making things better than what they are now. Uh, Joe Lozon. Oh, God, this was hilarious. Returned to the octagon, got a first-round knockout over Jonathan Pierce. Dana White wants him to retire now. I want him to retire. Look how... draw he would retire after this. We'll see. Uh, I want him to. He got a... How often does this happen? We talk about this. Guy comes out after all... He's had a really bad stretch. And... I mean, for, he was finished by both in his current string of losses prior to la, prior to this event. He'd been finished by Clay Guida and Chris Gritzmacher. I mean, for God's sake, who gets finished by Clay by strikes from, from Clay Guida? He comes back in his hometown, basically of Boston, and gets a win—not just a win, but a dominant win. I mean, how bad Jonathan Pierce looked, just utterly befuddled. A younger guy. Uh, Lozon, you know, punched him in the face repeatedly, got a body lock, tripped him down, got a reverse half Nelson, full back mount, and just pounded him into the du- pounded him into dirt. He got to have a moment in his hometown, got a great win, 
I don't know if he's going to be done. He should but be. I, I hope he is. It because it doesn't look. It will when, never when you, get better asking, than this. Right. Like, I, like, when you win like this, you want to go on another run. But then, then that will elude you. So, he got, he got a dominant first round win in his hometown. This is the, you, you, I don't think any fighter can ever truly go out on their own terms. The way Daniel Cormier talked about before he lost to Stipe, right? So, just it's let it be. extremely rare. This is maybe not the way Lozon wants to go out, but this is as perfect. This is as close to perfect as it would ever be for him at this point in his career. A guy with as many fights as him and as many losses as he's had and as many times as he's been finished at 35 years old. Even, yes, he's younger than me. But as a fighter, he is past his athletic prime. Correct, Robert? Oh yeah. So in his case, in his case, demonstrably so. He's not getting. He's not getting like the fight bonuses anymore. And even before he went on that zero and three stretch, he was he was trading wins and losses fairly regularly. So it makes sense for him to to call it a career here, because yet. He got he got a great win on on a on UF he got he made it to the ESPN era. Gets the win. Been there a long the time. Yeah, he's been he's been fighting in the UFC a long time. He, I mean, he never beat Jen, he beat Jens Pulver back in the day, man. Look, <laughs> like forever. He was, fighting, he was fighting in competitive in the bloodiest shark infested division. He with this with this win and finish, actually, he retakes sole ownership of most finishes in UFC lightweight history. So there you go. Because Miller's it's, it's last not, finish tied him with it. Everyone's going to get like that storybook title victory. But that's not if you don't get those things, it's not so terrible. You know, Lozon has a he has a legacy to, I think, to be proud of in many ways. And he's he's done a lot for this sport for the UFC. I think he has a lot to be proud of. Hopefully, he's made a decent amount of money and invested it well. I'm not sure. He's got but, a very he's got a very uh, from what I've heard a pretty decent gym that he operates. He has I mean, lows on MMA. I mean, he seems well liked by Dana in the UFC, and I feel like they would maybe not take care of him. I think they would maintain good relations with him. So. Yeah. The other person people are talking about la- coming out of last night is Macy Barber. Should we be pl- paying close attention to her? Is it a ton of hype? Oh, no, no. You, I, let me be clear. This is not to say that she will be champion, but if you, you should absolutely be paying attention to her. Uh, she TKOs Jillian Robertson in the first round. Um, How good is Jillian Robertson, though? She's not bad. Uh, look, this was a very... Seven and three. She she has a few UFC wins, but this was a uh, how do I say? I wouldn't this? consider I, her a ranked competitor. She was because flyweight is a. Really? She was, I think, fifth. She was in the top oh, fifteen. Eh. Look, it's flyweight. Okay, I mean, I'm, it's not a deep division. All right, well, you need a you need a name you can start talking about for flyweight at least. So, I think Barber is. 
Eight no undefeated now. Yeah, she's definitely someone you're going to want to pay attention to. I'm not saying she should fight for the title next. Well, if you want to watch Valentina murder someone, then sure, stick her in there. I don't think I don't think objectively she's ready for that yet. But she has several things going for her. One, she's a physically strong woman. And physicality in women's MMA gets you a long way. She hits pretty hard. She has a, uh, she's not the best striker in the world, but she has a good diversity of strikes. She has a pretty good ability to adapt. If you rewatch her last fight with J.J. Aldridge, she loses that first round because all she's doing is throwing naked high kicks. And Aldridge gets a beat on it and counters her. In the second round, she adjusts, listens to her corner, stops doing that. And is able to offset what Aldrich is trying to do, make the fight what she needs it to be, and finishes her. Uh, She's physically strong. She's got power, which is a rarity amongst female fighters. She's not technically perfect, but she has a, a solid fundamental understanding of things. And it's not like this is a division overflowing with talent. It's not a bad division, necessarily. It's her goal is to become the youngest UFC champion in history. That is her stated goal, yeah. Um, again, and she has time to potentially do it. I mean, she's she's on she's on she's on her way. Um, let's see. Again, might she, might she, the wheels fall off in a couple of years? Yeah, in the next eighteen months. Sure, that happens all the time. Prospecting in MMA is very, very hard. But I think you should at least be paying attention to her. She has the drive. She has elements of the skill. She has a a lot of physicality to her. And well, I mean, look at Cynthia Calvillo. Everyone stopped talking. I mean, she's won two fights since then, but everyone stopped talking about her after the loss to Carla Esparza. That was a bad one, man. That was a shockingly... And look, she should have won that fight, and I don't mean on the scorecards. I mean, watch the first round of that... Uh, Hang on. I mean, watch the first round of that fight, and then try... If all someone knows is that first five minutes, tell them she spent the next ten minutes, the next both of the next rounds, without shooting a single takedown attempt. Right. She didn't... It wasn't, it wasn't a great performance. I agree. But... Um, I'm just saying that's an example of how, like, you know, a girl getting a ton of hype has one loss and then it just kind of dramatically grinds to a halt. Or, uh, I mean, there's other reasons. Look at Tatiana Suarez. Exceptional wrestler. I'm an exceptional fighter in many respects. But a nagging neck injury, she's only, like, within the last month or so, been able to train again. Like she, her, that, whatever injury she had last did a serious number on her. There's all kinds of things that can cause that. But yeah, pay it. I think you should be paying attention to Barber. And I think she needs a look, unless she opens up a stylist shop in five years, she needs a better nickname. I like her though. It was, it was a fun, you know, it was a fun showcase for her. And I'll be looking forward to her next fight. So let's see. Yeah, she knows how to maximize the minute she has in front of the camera. It's already her fourth UFC win. So yeah, she's she's uh, she's not screwing around. 
I, I still don't want to fast track her too quickly, though. I again, I agree. I think if she were to fight Valentina for her next fight, Valentina would, would get another that, finish. That would be terrible. I think let her get a little more seasoning in. Yeah, I mean she needs it, but yeah. Uh, all right, and kicking off the main card, Darren Stewart scores a split decision win over Duran Win. Uh, Twenty nine. Yeah, win miss weight. Fight sucked. This was not the worst fight on the main card. They'll suck, though. It wasn't great, but yeah, look, Darren Stewart was the guy I kind of wrote off, and credit to him for proving me wrong. Uh, he had the gas tank to go in this round, in this fight. He had the physicality necessary. He's adjusted his body. If you look at some of his earlier UFC fights, he is much more muscular now. He's put a lot of work into altering who he is as a fighter, who he is uh, as a physical person. Well, that's a 500 UFC record. Yeah, again, he started off 0-3, like 0-3, 0-3 with one no contest. He had a terrible start. That's why I wrote him off. But credit to him for turning that around, man, because that's not easy to do. I think we can just do quick hits for the rest of the night. Um, Yeah. Charles Rosa, man, scored a really surprising armbar over Manny Bermudez in the first round. Uh, did not see that one coming. I mean, Rosa's not a bad grappler by any stretch of the imagination, but Bermudez is exceptional. Half, too. Yeah. He, oh, God. He was off for so long. Um, Molly McCann defeated Diana Belbicha via unanimous decision, 30-26 across the boards. Um, Belbicha had a competitive enough first round. Again, she lost it, but... Uh, as the fight wore on, McCann just kept doing Molly McCann things, especially when things got to the ground. Uh, just Belbicha had no consistent answer. Sean Woodson defeated Kyle Botniak for unanimous decision, 30-26 and then 30-27 twice. Um, I saw this, I think, from Jack Slack on Twitter. Sean Woodson did the same thing to Kyle Botniak that Zabit Magomed Sharipov did, but instead of punching like a girl, uh, <laughs> Sean Woodson you know, actually hit him. Uh, shots at Zabit's fan. Uh, that's more of a good-natured dig at Zabit's fan base than anything else. But, yeah, same. Look, Botniak has a good chin, but he lives on it too much, and he's very predictable with his entries and his motion. He doesn't move his head. Uh, I think Woodson's going to struggle when he fights someone who's a really good wrestler or good about cl- cage-cutting and closing distance, but he's got good timing on his knees. He's got good... Uh, kind of flow and combination to his striking, and he is an enormous—I'd say enormous—in the because he's so thin. But he is very, very tall and very long for that weight class. Um, Randy Costa defeated Boston Simon via TKO in the first round. I don't have a whole lot here. Uh, Sean Brady defeated Court McGee via unanimous decision, 29-28-1s, 2-30-27s. Not a bad fight. Forgettable mostly, but not awful. A little surprised at the two 30-27s. I thought McGee had the last round at a minimum. Um, Brandon Allen defeated Kevin Holland via rear naked choke in the second round. I I don't remember too much about the. Oh, wait, I remember this fight now. Okay, sorry. Took me a second. Um... I wonder what Allen's going to do when he comes across someone who's actually a really good grappler. 
because a lot of his game in this fight was, you know, pressure Holland, who doesn't respond all that well to pressure. Get the clinch, get the takedown, start working from there. And Holland tuned him up a little bit, even on the ground. It's like, okay, you want to fish for a leg lock. I'm going to put weight on it. Bend the knee so you can't do anything, and I'm going to punch you in the face repeatedly. But he persevered, found a scramble he liked, got the back, got the choke. Uh, good enough win. And then kicking everything off, Tanner Bozier defeated Daniel Spitz for unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Um, Bozier looked pretty good, actually. Nothing that would maybe you know blow you away if you were just watching the fight, but he moved well which is a big deal at heavyweight. He kicked well. He measured distance. He had a good gas tank. He didn't slow down almost at all from the start of this round, from the start of the fight to the end. Uh, not calling him the next title contender or anything, but uh, he looked, you know, for a, for a heavyweight fight that goes the distance, he looked pretty good throughout all three rounds. Uh, all right, that's it as far as the fights were concerned. Anything you wanted to touch on that you didn't get to, Jeff? Nope. All righty. Um, thanks to everyone who stopped by on Friday. Uh, I know the UFC doesn't run events on Friday very often, but thank you to everyone who read live or after the fact. Apologies to Larry Zonka. I was kind of supposed... I, I forgot that... If, I, t I figured this out in enough time to not dump this on anyone at the last minute, but I about a month ago, it agreed to cover the last three impacts on Friday for Larry because it kind of runs very close to SmackDown and Larry has a life. And just because of the time, because of that event being on a Friday, I couldn't make the last one. So apologies, Larry. I know you had to suffer through another impact and the impact television show is just the same thing, basically week after week, almost. So sorry for that. Again, I made sure there was enough time that gives like, eight to ten days notice on the thing so it wasn't like i dumped it at the last second but still apologies um all right let's move on to next week ufc on espn plus 20 yay uh they're back in singapore for this one and the main event is a this is either going to be a deeply interesting fight or the worst thing i've ever seen i don't know which um, Damian Maya will be fighting Ben Askren. And you know, I'm just going to say it. I'm actually leaning towards Ben Askren here, and I know that's a bit of an odd thing to say. But I have a couple of reasons for this. I don't think it's odd at all. It's a, Stylistically, it's a bad matchup for Damian Maya. If Damian Maya, Damian Maya, when Damian he's Maya does not have the best luck if a fighter knows how to avoid his grappling and stuff his takedowns, which I think Askren is capable of doing. Askren's going to wrestle with him. Like Ben Askren is not going to do the Tyron Woodley grip break, break distance, land a few punches, grip break, defend takedown, separate, still, repeat. I think Askren is good enough in MMA to avoid getting submitted, incontinent submission, which. Has that ever even happened to him in his career? I don't he's think only had the, he's only had the one loss. Right. All right. So, I mean, yeah, I'm picking Askren. I, I think the big deal here for Askren is, first of all, get out of the first round because 
Maya at welterweight is he's fought five rounds. I'm not saying he, you know, cardio taps. Forty one years old. But between forty one, between the cut to welterweight, and the fact that it, again, watch his five round fights. He visibly slows. He uh, the style that he chooses to use if he can't get takedowns is physically exhausting. It takes a lot out of you. And what, what might be odd. Maya might actually have better striking and boxing than Askham, oddly enough. I have never seen Askren throw up. I've not seen Askren engage in anything approaching a prolonged striking exchange. That might be true. Like, I don't know. It's not like a great, like he's shown, he's shown flashes of adequacy with his stand-up sometimes. He's a largely competent striker, but. Sometimes I think I think he he's he's shown it like you've seen it in fights where he's working on where he's clearly worked on those things, even in fights he lost. Where. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, he's capable of he's capable of showing off some decent striking skills. So that might be an edge he could have here over Aspirin. Yeah, it's entirely possible. If he decides I'm just going to strike with Ben Askren, um, I mean, A, I think that would be terrible for his cardio because he is not at all really conditioned for this, for a striking pace. But he's not... to be careful not to telegraph a takedown so he gets kneed in the face again. Damian Maia is not going to throw a knee if he shoots on him. You never know. Look, Damian will give up a takedown, try to come up on a single leg from half guard. That's what he does. Um, I will I will laugh if he do, if Maya comes out and does do the come out throw the flying knee thing first just because. But again, if once this fight kind of gets out of the first round, I think Askren's the one who's going to instigate the grappling, and, and Maya off of his back has a very oh god, I this is going to sound terrible considering how great he is. Let me be very clear about what I'm about to say. The options Maya chooses to use off of his back in mixed martial arts are very limited. And that's not, not because... Of, he's not good off of his back. He's, he's good enough, but he has refined a specific element of his game. There's, he has like three things that he does. Has he, does he ever in the same order. anyone off of his back? Maybe earlier in his career? Earlier in his career, yes. I'd have, um, but... Now, again, most of what he does when he's on his back is gets to half guard, punches an underhook. The, how did he submit Chael? Was that off of it? That might have been off of his back. No, no. That okay. uh, When he fought Chael, they clinched up. He tripped him down, landed him out, got a okay. triangle choke, right. rolled to his back to finish it. That um, was for 10 years ago. I think he got Ed Herman off of He caught him with the triangle off of his back, rolled into full mount with it, and finished it from there. But I'd have to double check. Yeah, it's it's weird how like a little over ten years ago, Maya was this surging star because he pulled off these crazy. He's always pulling off these crazy submission holds, you know. Yeah, the level of the game raises, and suddenly he's now he's kind of, now he's and, more of like a grinding grappler. Yeah, he he get, does less of the spectacular stuff, more of the pure positional wear you down stuff, which, in fairness, is. More effective against a higher level of opposition. 
he did get when he first moved down to a welterweight. He did pull off some fun submissions. It's been a while though. Well, yeah, he got them, but he got the. It's more about the methodology that he yeah. employs now well, versus then. He got Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, Gunnar Nelson, Neil Magny. Oh no, he didn't submit Gunnar Nelson. Excuse me. He did get Neil Magny, Brown, Condit. Yep. Oh, that neck crank on Rick's story was brutal. That was a nice one. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick Askren here. Ditto. I I think once Askren again, if this get, if the longer this goes, the more it favors Askren, and I think he's gonna wind up stifling elements of Maya's game, imposing elements of his own, and just probably get a win, probably a decision. But yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Askren. All right. Uh, I think we can. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to move on from that. But again, there's yeah. a few good fights here. Like this main card is surprisingly solid. Your co-main event is Muslim Salikov and, Lore- and Loriano Staropoli. Salikov isn't bad. Salikov has a lot of watchable fights. Staropoli, uh, you guys may not remember this. And I don't blame you because I might have been the only one watching the event. Um, okay. some Tiago uh... Alves. Or was it Hector Aldana? Uh, both. He came out and just in both of those fights, he came. They they came out. They started throwing hammers. Uh, Starpoli is a very very fan friendly fighter. Um, okay, I'm yeah, I'm not sure what the bout order is, but we're just gonna go with this one. So, look out. That's a good one. I'm gonna lean towards Starpoli actually, but uh, again, that's a good fight. So the two other notable fights. At lightweight, we have Michael Johnson versus Stevie Ray. That's a good one. So it looks one. like Michael Johnson is staying at lightweight for now. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a pretty good fight. Um, Stevie Ray's a tough out. Good, good fundamentals. Michael Stevie. Johnson has a really good two and a half minutes in him. I'm picking Stevie Ray because Ditto. it's Johnson. <laughs> Ditto again. Once you get past that three minute mark, like like Michael Johnson has shown the presence and ability to I don't know if he was overperforming or just rise to the occasion, but then he's also shown the propensity to just crap out big time, you know? Mm-hmm. Going all the way back to his season of the Ultimate Fighter. Where he lost to um he lost to Jonathan Brookins. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Because he beats the crap out of him in the first round. That fight would have gone to a draw under the under modern scoring sensibilities. That's how badly he beat the crap out of Brookins in the first round. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he's... And then he has a nice run in 2012 and then loses back-to-back fights. First to Miles Jury. I mean, okay, Jury was sort of a decent fighter at the time. Then gets submitted by Reza Madati, <laughs> which is like, come on. You should not, at that point, he should not have lost to Reza Mandati. Nope. Um, just one of those weird, crazy upsets. Um, so, yeah, picking Stevie Ray, Frank Camacho versus Benil Dariush. Let's see. That's a banger. Again, Camacho is all action all the time. Uh, and Dariush is a tough opponent. Uh, yeah, Dariush is a tough out. Dariush is a talent. I mean, Camacho... 
you know, the loss to Jeff Neal, I mean, he got head kicked into oblivion, but it was a great fight. The Dober fight was really good. Darius uh, the- could arguably be ranked in the top 15. Camacho, let's see. No, Camacho's bounced too much between lightweight and welterweight. But, like, Darius, you know... I don't think you can rank Darius in the top 15 at this point. What was that? I don't think you can put Darius in the top 15 right now. Well, he he got a submission, went over uh, Drew Dober, kind of had a bit of a rough stretch for a little bit, and now he's... If he wins here, he's he's won his last three, so he's sort of back on a roll, arguably. It'll be good for his career trajectory, but, uh, I mean, in other divisions, maybe you could, but it's lightweight. I mean, well, if we were ranking out to 20, you might be able to find space for him. I'm picking Dariush for this fight, but I see ways that Camacho could win. Ditto. And there's also a heavyweight fight. Uh, Cyril Gaon, who's one of the few heavyweights I kind of look forward to watching on occasion. Um, He's fighting Dontale Mayers. I believe this is Mayer's UFC debut. Yeah, he won on the Contender Series. He's on a four-fight winning streak. He's fought twice on the Contender Series, actually. Yep. Three-fight winning streak. He lost uh, He lost to Alan Crowder. Yeah, but he's won four since then. Great. Now, twice in the Contender Series and two, uh, and a, there was a fight. Nope. Lost to Crowder, won a sure fight, won on the Contender going. Series. Muhammad Usman in VFC. Yeah, he beat Usman, he beat uh, Sype on the Contender Series. He beat someone at a, a promotion called V3 Fights, okay. and then he won on the Contender Series again. That's not on his show dog resume. I apologize. I'm going off a of tapology, so... I should probably be looking at tapology. All right, so there's a there's a heavyweight fight there. I don't it's have not high... a bad, It's not a bad heavyweight fight. I, I... I can't have high expectations nonetheless because it's heavyweight. No, you can't. But uh, again, I, I'm kind of a, I wouldn't say a believer in Gone, but I don't hate his name showing up on my docket to, of fights to watch either. So, all right. I think we can do quick hits for the rest of the night. Yeah, again, sneakily, sneakily good main card there on paper. And um, as, I would say, like, sneakily good, I'd say there's a couple interesting matchups and good fighters on there who are. Or bet probably better than their resumes would indicate is what I would is what I would say. Yeah, again, when I say sneakily, I mean you have to be somebody like you know you or me that watches a lot of this stuff to recognize. Oh, hey, so and so is fighting so and so. Ooh, that's good. But it'll probably do well for Singapore because you know there are some high level fighters on here, and Singapore doesn't get a ton of fights. So yeah, as for the prelims, this is where it falls off. Um, <laughs> We have Randa Marcos and Ashley Yoder. Um, Yoder uh, finally got a couple of wins in the UFC. Uh, Marcos, it's Random Marcos, man. What do you want me to say at this point? Like, I want to root for Randa Marcos, but she can. She's so inconsistent. There's no like. She's the most consistently inconsistent fighter there is. Like, I, I agree with you about kind of wanting to root for her, but there's no point. Uh, I mean, she's gonna win this fight, and. Uh, in all probability, but um, Alex White is fighting hot. Uh, where is this gentleman from? Uh, Rafael Fiziev. Fiz- um, okay, he's Macedonian. He is Macedonian. Oh, okay. Oh, Kyrgyzstan. Sorry, he's from Kyrgyzstan. So yeah, Rafael. I'll 
physique. Yeah, he's fought in the UFC before. He lost to Magomed Mustafaev. Right. Uh, um, he's fighting Alex White, who is not really a UFC caliber fighter. Um, he's had a. He's got the weirdest UFC record, man. He debuted with a win, lost his next two, beat Artem Lobov, lost to Rocco Martin, beat Mitch Clark, lost two in a row, beat Dan Moret. I'm actually going to go with Fazayev here. I, just, I can't pick Alex White at this point. Um, this is a, actually a pretty good fight. Enrique Barzola and Movsar Evloev. Uh, it's a really good fight, actually. Evloev is undefeated, 11-0, won his UFC debut. Uh, Barzola's been with the UFC for a bit, coming off of a win over Bobby Moffat. Oof. It was a, that was an iffy win. That was an iffy decision. But he's only lost twice in the UFC. One to Kyle Botniak, a split decision, and then to Kevin Aguilar. Uh, so that, that's a pretty good fight, actually. I'm going to go with Avloev, but uh, that's a pretty good one. Again, uh, we have a heavyweight fight. Why are there two heavyweight? Three heavyweight fights. Oh, God, help me. That's just cruel, man. That is just cruel. That is just a cruel thing to do. Um, Sergey Pavlovich, who got smashed by uh, Alistair Overeem. He rebounded by beating... Marcelo Golm, who I will not forget, who I will forgive all of you for forgetting exists. He's fighting Maurice Green, who is eight and two on a three fight winning streak. Um, knocked out Junior Albini. I think Green probably takes this one. Maurice Green is pretty solid. Uh, let's see. Alexandra Albu will fight Loma. Ooh, where is this woman from? Thailand, I should have known, looking at that name. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. I, I apologize because I am not up to... I'm not up to date on all of my proper translation of uh, how Thai names are pronounced if all I see is the English. and I Don't show it to me in Thai. I can't read or speak, I can't read or speak the language. Uh, Loma Lukbunmi, who is 3-1, will fight Alexander Albu, who is also 3-1, uh, this is Lukbunmi's UFC debut, coming off of a win in Invicta. Albu's coming off of that loss to Emily Whitmire. I'm going to go with Albu here, but uh, yeah, that's kind of iffy. And kicking everything off again, we have another heavyweight fight. Rafael Pessoa versus Jeff Hughes. Um, Pessoa lost his UFC debut to Cyril Gaon, who got him with an arm triangle choke. Hughes lost his UFC debut in a rematch with uh, Maurice Green. Oh, then he went. Yeah, you know, he had the fight with Todd Duffy that went to a no contest. Uh, he was doing okay in that too. I'm gonna go with Jeff Hughes here, actually, but it's it's mediocre heavyweights. We just hope it ends quickly. All right. Um, anything from that group of fights stick out to you, Jeff? Alexandra Albu. Oh, how dare you! I dare. I double. Uh, all right. That again. That I will have coverage of that event on Saturday morning. Oh God. The first prelim starts at 5:30 Eastern time. 5:30 a.m. Eastern Congratulations. Standard time. That's 3:30 in the morning for me. That's gonna suck. But come by the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, and you will see me there plugging away because I hate myself. 
I guess. I don't know. I don't have a better excuse at this point. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, I suppose we can start with this because why not? Um, some new allegations have been leveled against UFC fighter Conor McGregor. Uh, this is another instance of him being accused of some form of sexual assault. McGregor has denied it. Not, was he ever even charged in the first case? I heard about an investigation now. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, he has not been charged in that. It is still kind of under investigation. So this is a separate allegation. Also, it comes from the New York Times, so... A former newspaper. Sorry, my dig at the Times and its existence. I, I, I don't disagree with that, though. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the New York Times is not the only one guilty of this. A lot of news, like news outlets that purport to be news outlets, will sensational or, or exaggerate or outright make things up. Or they will run with, or they will run with stories that they have not, um done their due, due, due diligence on, case in point, what happened with ABC News. God, that was so bad. And here's what, what happened with ABC News, that, that Twitter popped up on from like a Turkish Twitter account, and they just grabbed it and like, okay, let's run with this. They pro- But they didn't check it. I mean, uh, for God... They didn't verify if it was legit. But then, like, it's like, why do you say acquired by ABC News? But... My point is, New York Times. Can, can I just say very briefly about that uh, thing from ABC? Yeah, sure, sure. That's a real atrocity going on. The Kurds are being hunted and slaughtered. And you bunch of jackasses gave the fake news crew a club to beat you over the head with. This is why you know, Trump can get away with dismissing legitimate claims against him. Because there's so much, pardon my language, bullshit. I'm not- Gonna get, I'm not getting political here. I'm just yeah, saying it's, it's, a, it's a travesty what they did. It, it, it really is, especially it, because it, this is it, actually it, happening. It's also a travesty that other people are coming to their defense. And while and while people are trying to defend them, ABC is is radio silent trying to explain how this happened. Because you, you want to know why there isn't a good excuse. They grabbed it from that Turkish Twitter account, thought it was legit, and ran with it. But I think it's pretty awful that they ran with it and said it's video they acquired when it's just a pro- when it's more than likely a video they just saw on Twitter from a Turkish Twitter account and thought it was legit. Did you even did you even see what that video was actually of? Yeah, it's from the it was from a Kentucky like gun yeah. show. Yeah, the, there's a there's a big uh, an annual you know get together and shoot off machine guns and make stuff blow up convention like. I mean, of course that oh, would happen Kentucky. Hey, I'd go. Just, <laughs> I, I would go to something like that. Cool. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I don't know if any of you have ever shot an automatic weapon before. It's a lot of fun. Sure. So look, the the Conor McGregor look, the New York Times. I gotta put a I've gotta put a bit of a grain of salt with this. Fair enough. Um, um, I'm just, I'm just going to say this has actually been charged though. No, he, again, this is, uh, this is investigation only at this point. I'm going to say this, if this actually happened, uh, as, uh, as assumed a lot of, uh, nothing but respect and credit to the victims for coming forward and reporting this. Uh, 
good on you. You suffered through a horrible experience. And I hope the pol- I hope the law enforcement officials do their duty as mandated by law. And if McGregor did this, then you know what? Put him in jail. He should be. This is a disgusting thing. Sexual assault, sexual assault is one of the worst things one human being can do to another, in my opinion. I have an unbelievably low tolerance we'll for it. We'll see what happens with this. I'm not passing judgment either way. Uh, look, that statement is contingent on him being guilty of this. Let me be very clear about that. I'm perfectly content to wait for the legal system to take its course in this case. I hope they investigate the allegations. Uh, yep. I... And I hope, again, if it's not Connor and this woman was assaulted and she just either mistook him for it or what have you, I don't know. There's any any number of reasons. I hope I hope if the assault actually occurred, they find whoever did it and they are appropriately punished. 100%. I don't care who it is that did it. I Again, I have an unbelievably dim view of people who do that. Unbelievably dim. I think our... Uh-huh. I honestly don't think we're draconian enough in our countermeasures to that. That's also why I'm I have a very kind of high sense. I remember the first the first incident that was rumored kind of stayed quiet for a long time. Well, some of that has to do with uh, like privacy laws in Ireland. There, there's a lot of stuff that can't be reported the same way it is under like. I got to be honest, I don't really have a problem with that either. Yeah, there's pros and cons. I mean, look, the way it's reported in Ireland is a byproduct of them not actually having a free press. They have a good, uh, I'm not, and I mean, look, I get down on, you know, the media. Uh, That's a very broad category, I know. I get down on them on occasion because I fundamentally believe in the importance of a free press to the sustained health of the Republic. And when you screw it up, it pisses me off. Well, it's hard for me to see the free press as a sacred institution anymore. I can take issue with the people because there's a lot of people who screw it up. Same. I mean, like I have the same kind of view of not to get overly political. The idea is nice, but it's just, you know, who practices it these days? It's a fair question. So anyway, there's another cloud that gets to hang over McGregor for a while. I Again, I'm perfectly content to wait for the evidence to come out to pass any sort of actual judgment on this. I mean, but, but what I'm thinking here, I, I mean, it's hard. Like, I take the allegation seriously, but I, w- I, I need more information to come out first. I mean, again, I'm perfectly happy to let law enforcement do their job and, yeah. and wait but for it, anything more than that. based in Ireland. Correct? This this second instance? Yeah, I believe so. I will say this. I think Conor McGregor, uh, and, and let me just, around the last two years, has, has let a lot of probably bad elements surround him. And I think he's sort of let his, I, I, I definitely believe he's let his fame get away from him. Or maybe not get, maybe that's not the, he's let, He's let it all go to his head for sure. He you know? seems to have gone a little bit out of control. And that doesn't necessarily how, how mean does how does something like that bus incident happen unless you're you know you're doing massive amounts of cocaine? That is Oh there, hang on. There's any there's any number of reasons situation and say that's not a cocaine is a hell of a drug situation. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've seen Daniel plenty of people himself. He there agrees are, with me. 
it, look, there are plenty of people who do stuff dumber than that when they're stone cold sober. It's 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 hard for me to believe with a guy like McGregor, who has as much money as he does right now, um, in as many temptations put in pro- in front of him that he's not messing around with things he shouldn't be. It's hard. It's hard for me to believe that he's staying sober. I'm sorry, Robert. I can't. Hey, look, I, I'm not. Look, I am not in a position to comment on his sobriety. That's, that's 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 what I think is happening, and. The fact that he went on that bus rampage and no one and no one was there, no one responsible enough was around there to talk him down from it and to stop him just tells me he's he's on a bad path right now and he's going to keep messing up until he's he's forced to stop. That's what I see from him right now. In in that same vein, let me ask you a question. That's That's just my opinion. In that same vein, let me ask you something, because this week, um, I wasn't going to talk about this because it's a non- I consider it a non-story, but I think we can use it to, if we're, since we're talking about McGregor a little bit, I think we can maybe uh, use this as kind of a prism to talk about something else. It's still McGregor related, but earlier this week, Fre- uh, McGregor tweeted out that he'd signed a contract and he would see Frank. He's like, happy birthday, Frankie. See you in December. Something like that. Out now. Hang hang on, hang on, hang on. God. Dana White has denied that that's actually happening. Now, however much you want to believe Dana White is fine. He just fought at featherweight. Yeah, but here's even fight at lightweight if he fought again. Oh, Oh, Frankie would go up to lightweight to fight Connor. I have, no, I have no doubt. BS. It's BS. Oh, Carter does that every fight. He makes a tweet like, oh, I'm going to fight you next. I agree. So, which is kind of why. Connor has basically admitted to Ariel Hawani that he's, that he basically trolls on Twitter. I mean, it's Twitter. Everyone does it. Yeah. <laughs> Conor McGregor has basically admitted that he does it too. So why are you getting worked up over this? Well, hang on. I'm not. Look, look, the, the only thing I said was, you know, like, look, is it kind of a stupid thing for him to tweet out? Sure. But would Frankie Edgar go up to lightweight, go back to 155 for that fight? Absolutely, he would. Sure. But I mean, that's all I was saying about it. The UFC would not book that fight. I'm sorry. <laughs> they would not. Unless I... unless they unless they desperately believe it would be an easy win for Connor. I mean, even if, it's, would be. even if it's not, they might still book it. Uh, but uh, I mean, if I'm trying to book a fight with Connor, I would try to book the cowboy fight. I mean, sure. That's make. Look, that's the fight I that's the fight I would be most interested in. But I also like, if I'm if I'm Dana White or if I'm one of the matchmakers and I'm trying. All, all the other personal life stuff shenanigans with Connor aside, the fight I want is the fight with Donald Cerrone. Because that's that's because that that is a marquee fight. It'll it'll sell tickets, and who would not be down for that fight? 
Again, it's the fight that I think makes the most sense, but since when has, you know, sense factored heavily into matchmaking? Well, yeah. And it's kind of talking about. Well, look, the point I wanted to, the question I wanted to ask you related to this. Are, is the MMA fandom just kind of over Conor McGregor at this point? (laughs) I mean. Because, I I say that just because. No, 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 they're not. They're, They're kind of. It's just the fact that he's not really, he's very inactive. And when he, if and when the matchup ever comes together, then people will get all giddy about it. No, I mean, sure. He actually signs a fight, gets in the cage. It's an event. It's going to do well. Like, it'll be financially successful. It's a big deal. I don't mean that, like, he's going to become a nobody. But, Not nobody, but like you know, the sport is 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 the sport moving on without him? Yeah, it is. Yeah, which is which is. I, I, I mean, look, go you know, fat, rewind. Hang on. Look, rewind the clock two years. He he tweets that same thing thing about Frankie and what happens online. Like you and I both know, it would blow up. I mean, it, it would, blew up now. It didn't really. Like it some did. people. Look, people talked about it because it, it's more like re, it's more an automatic reflex at this well, point than, well, well, than interest driven. Because, again, people have gotten wise to Conor McGregor's because he was doing this after every fight. He would do this after an Anthony Pettis fight. Or yeah, after, ev- after every lightweight fight for a period of time, he I was want to fight you, Anthony Pettis. I want to fight you, cowboy. Da, da, da. He did like any fight he's watching. He'll like he'll like get on Twitter and like, oh, yeah, I'll fight this guy next. I'll fight this guy next. Yeah, and, and so and eventually so I, like, oh my god, Connor's not eventually, eventually it's set into the minds of these reporters that oh, Connor's just scrolling us. He's not actually seriously considering fighting these guys. So again, when I say are we over McGregor, I don't mean that again he's a non entity, but he doesn't really the have the, the he doesn't, he's the he's not what he used to be. It. As it often does, and as it always will, just like it's moved on with Ronda Rousey. Sometimes, you know, stars go away. It does leave a void, and then new stars emerge. It happens. It's, it will continue. The I think what's fascinating to me about Wait, the McGregor Israel Adesanya is not a star at this point. He's definitely a star now. I need to see some metrics on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. How do you not have a metric from the fact that he just filled up a stadium in Australia? Well, look, he and Whitaker filled up a stadium in Australia. Yeah, it was a big fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. I enjoyed it. That was that was my most anticipated fight of in all of 2019. 57,000 people. $5.4 million gate. You're going to tell me he's not a star. And that was the biggest fight. That was... There wasn't. That was not a stacked card, Robert. No, it was not. That was that that that, that was main the, event was everything. If they had lost that fight, they would have been screwed. Yeah. So that, that whole event yeah, doesn't go Adesanya, on without that main event. Adesanya card. is a star at this point. I'm sorry, he's become a star. I just, just there's just things about stardom that I imagine he's got. I just don't have the evidence at the moment to, to definitively then, state. Look, look at George Masvidal is suddenly a star now. Yeah. Boy, that came out of nowhere. In a way, he wasn't, in a way he wasn't two years ago. 
Yeah, again, I hope Israel Adesanya is a star. He should be, by all logic. But again, logic. When does logic translate? Like, Masvidal was not real. He was not a legit draw until he need Askren in the face. And now I, he's and now and now people want to see him headline a card against uh, Nick Diaz. I think that was the capstone. I think the I think the till knockout got him was, was a big part of it too. Look, the less we talk about the Diaz brothers, the happier I am. But look, Masvidal was not a star a short time ago. It took nope. that his a career, forty seven fights, almost fifty fights. That's all. And hang on, that's only his official MMA f- record. He right. fought a lot more than that. So it wasn't until in July he need Askren in the face that suddenly he's a top star now. So with Connor, he's 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 inactive. He's not fighting, and he's just trolling us. He's getting into trouble, and he's not he's not doing what he what he should be. He's not changing the game anymore. I'm sorry. He's not. No. He's he's just, he's just trolling on Twitter. He's getting into trouble with his personal life. Probably. Possibly. Not 100%. We, but we know he did that bus rampage. So, I mean. We know he. Well, I mean, he also punched that old dude in a bar. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, at least he apologized for that. But still. I mean. I'm over him in a way, but whatever. GSP says he would return to the UFC for a fight with Nurmagomedov. I'm sure he would. I I, I don't want to see that fight right now. I just don't. Khabib has deserving contenders. Let it go, George. I mean, look, I don't blame George at all for putting it out there. That's the fight he wants. It's fine. I get it. But I don't want to see it right now. You retired. Stay retired. For the best. Um, UFC strawweight champion Weili Zhang is kind of came out and said she doesn't want to fight Joanna Yanjacek next. And she'd rather fight Rosnami Yunus. I mean, does Rose even want that fight? I don't know. I I don't know what what kind of game Zhang might be playing, but. Uh, I mean, uh, look, I guess it's not Overwatch. <laughs> it's a video so, game. I am aware of what Overwatch is. So, uh, no, I again, I don't know what she's up to here, but and I mean, in all I mean, fairness, there. If I mean, if Rose came out and said Yoana's, she, Yoana's the fight right now. Yeah, I mean, what what it. What is she going to do? I think if Rose were to publicly say she wants to fight for the belt, they might do that. But uh, given, but that, given Rose, that it's radio silence on her end right now, no. I think you want us to fight. So, again, I don't know if she's just kind of I mean, already. Yes, yes. You want I mean, I mean, you want to lost to Rose twice, but then Rose lost the title. I mean, I mean, what is what is she trying to do here? I don't know. I don't know if this might be the start of mind games. I don't know if she's just kind of testing the waters to see where the you know where the fan base wind you might think, blow. Think Zhang is that smart? 
I, I'm not going to assume she's a stupid person. Until I would need evidence to. It seems, it seems silly. I've heard she also wants to fight Valentina. Yeah, she mentioned that. I. That makes no sense right now. Not really. Again, there's deserving contenders at straw weight, and I mean, Look, not so much flyweight, but the title. Prove your prove your defending champion. Beat some of the beat some of these other women. Show you're not a one hit wonder. What's wrong with that? Well, you want to drop that belt, and that thing turned into a hot potato. It <laughs> did. Mean, Nama Yunus got one defense against the woman she beat for the belt. Lost it to Andrade. Andrade couldn't get a single defense. So, uh, again, it just kind of you know yeah. goes to show how that difficult is, the long reign the is. That's the fight game. That's the nature. That is the nature of the beast, Robert. So I want to see Zhang. Since the division is kind of competitive right now, let's see her be, beat beat Yoana, beat Rose. Yeah, sure, but let's see it before she goes into a fight with Valentina. Um, okay, what else? Uh, I suppose this merits a bit of discussion. Uh, Aspen Ladd tried to appeal her loss at whatever that event was. That terrible event in Sacramento. <laughs> it's a bad event. Um, Is she tried to get loss? Yeah, oh, no, when uh, Jermaine Durandamid stopped her. Yeah. She tried to appeal that TKO loss. Um... Part of her claim centered around, like, anti-discrimination BS. The fundamental, like, the thrust of the argument being, you would not have stopped this same fight if it were men fighting. Um, oh. I'm just going to... Hang on. I'm just going to throw this out there. Aspen Ladd has benefited from more women's MMA stoppages than Jermaine argue that against her dean? That's part of the her thing they tried to argue. When Herb Dean has had, there have been plenty of instances where people thought Herb Dean stopped fight with men early. He has stopped fights early. It's happened. So I, I, I feel like I feel like it's not a. I don't think you can claim you can claim gender discrimination in this case. Well, at least one. Uh, I mean, the vote to overturn it uh, was very narrow. Actually, it was three to two. Uh, you think it was stopped me. early? Not unjustly so. I mean, look, if you wanted to, I think if you wanted to take uh, data and examine every stoppage of a women's fight versus a men's fight, would you find a trend of maybe women's fights being stopped earlier than men's? You might, but I'm not sure. I think the bigger issue is how is it trending and again, Aspen, there's plenty of fights. Aspen Ladd got stopped in her favor because she was screaming while punching. Like, you, you substantively benefited from this pattern of behavior if it exists. Uh, so there was that. Uh, the other kind of thing that came out of the California State Athletic Commission meeting, uh, one of the commissioners, I forget, the name. I apologize. Uh, put USADA kind of on blast. Okay. It might have been stopped early, but 
I don't think Herb Dean made a bad decision in that moment. And I think yeah, in those moments, it's right. always better to err on the side of caution when a fighter gets just rocked like that. I'm sorry. No, I, no again, I, I didn't have an issue with the, I didn't have a real issue with the stoppage. If you want to discuss it in a purely intellectual capacity, you know, armchair quarterback stuff, was it a little early? Yeah, okay, I can buy that. In real time, was it a terrible decision? Not so much. And was it due to gender? No, I don't think so. So um, I think, again, the kind of the last thing, the California State Athletic Commission, one of their commissioners had some uh, choice things to say about USADA. Uh, one of, uh, there were a few fighters that USADA has suspended for multiple years. I, I want to say Estevan Pion was one of the ones they cited in this instance. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, he said that uh, that you know, the Pion had served his Calif his uh, suspension for the California State Athletic Commission, and was free to fight there again. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, again, he had some uh, some choice things to say about USADA and kind of their presence in the sport, and this has happened before with. Uh with California and USADA. Yeah. Uh, and I, in fairness, I think he raises a few points that are not inaccurate. So that's uh, that's going to be an interesting thing going forward if we see... Someone named Foster told MMA Fighting... I think it's a little bit beyond the scope of a drug testing company to assume that role. We allowed it. I went along with it. The commission went along with it. When I have to do do uh, over again, I'm sure in time I'll have to do it over again. We'll deal with this differently. This was regarding the John Jones thing. Oh, uh, that, that Jones apparently had an option to get a reduced sentence after snitching on someone else in the industry. That's nonsense to me, Foster said. You're going to tattle on somebody and get your time reduced. That doesn't mesh with my way of thinking. I'm dealing with Mr. Jones or I'm dealing with Fighter X or Fighter B. I'm not going to reduce their punishment if they tell me some somebody else is a doper. Um, I mean, that's, that's I mean, his opinion, by the way. I mean, look, look, it's it's his stance. He's entitled to it. I just, I, I've mentioned this. This has been mentioned before, but to everyone happy about USADA, 80% of USADA's actual work, as far as their ability to bust people, is not testing. It's inve it's investigations, it's getting people to give evidence against others. That's how they do the lion's share. Well, well this is what, what the MMA community gets for chasing down the whole drug testing issue. You wanted a cleaned up sport, this is what you get. So, sorry. No sympathy. You'd think that the fan base would have learned what happens when we rush into crap like this or when we kind of push for crap like this after the whole... Uh, I don't know if I'm... In, I don't know how deeply I want to get into this. It was in the media too. It was the media calling for it too. I'm sorry. Look, yeah, the media called for it. The fan base called for it. Uh, they want TRT Vitor, but then they get upset that he's using TRT. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy, but what are you going to do?
I mean, again, the sport ran to state legislators trying to, or to athletic commissions trying to find ways to make the sport palatable to regulatory bodies. And they did. So, suddenly, we now have rule sets that no one can agree on. And in some respects, we're locked into rules that we now know serve no purpose or were generated via bad faith arguments or just pure ineptitude. But or hey, we're stuck like with it. It took years to get, a stu- or to, to, get like, to get things that should just not even require that much bureaucracy. But you ran into a, but you went to bureaucratic organizations to, to regulate your sport. Wow. That's what happens. You cry about wanting a clean sport. Well, let's get a you know uh, uh, a drug testing agency that's responsible for testing you know amateur uh, amateur competitions on the Olympic cycle and whatnot. Suddenly, hey, guess what? A lot of crap comes with that. Oh well, uh, the 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 just utter lack of foresight we've all shown. And I'm happy to lump myself in with this, by the way. At some point, you'd think we'd learn. A lot of pearl clutching. You know, when over Overeem, Anderson Silva, TRT, and all that. And now people are like, now people want, which they still had TRT Vitor. So it's your own fault. I I don't know. I I have no sympathy for the commissions either because they're not deserving of it. I'm sorry. No, they're bloated government bureaucracies. Do you have any idea? Uh, this is not a joke, by the way. I looked this up. Do you know how you can... Th- there's only two ways to get someone removed. I, I use Nevada specifically because this is the one I looked up. Yeah. There's only two ways to get someone forcibly removed from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Only okay. two. One is they miss three meetings in a row. They can be removed for uh, Tart- negligence. Negligence. <laughs> The other is for the actual governor to mandate it. That's it. What if they commit a crime? Nope. They, uh, you still need the governor to actually remove them. So even if, like, they commit, like, they're convicted of murder, they're still technically part of that. Well, uh, that, well, again, if you're committed, if you're in prison at that point, you can't attend the meetings enough to, and so you remove, you can be removed that way. But yeah. by Skype, technically. Or, uh, or, Maybe. I don't know. That's an that's an interesting possibility. Uh, look, again, all of them. And there are better commissions than some states have better commissions than others. Some of them started terrible, got better. Some of them started better, got worse. Like it fluctuates. But in all cases, you're dealing with a government bureaucracy. And that's. That's a mess because it's a government bureaucracy. They're inherently messy organizations. I Nothing else for it. But again, you just think at some point we'd all get a little bit of foresight. Might enforce the suspensions, though. Hmm? Other other commissions could still enforce the suspensions, though, right? If they again, anyone under contract to the UFC, the UFC is choosing to uphold those suspensions, not the individual athletic commissions. Oh, I uh, one thing I did want to mention uh, last uh, uh, on. Um, the night of uh, Weidman Reyes, the media asked uh, Dana White about Colby Covington. Say, if Dana White, if he beats Usman, and Dana White tries to put the belt on him, he's going to hit him over the head with it. Dana White said, "Good luck with that." 
Covington is a is a big mouth effing idiot. Well, if anyone would recognize a big mouth effing idiot, it would be Dana effing White, wouldn't it? You <laughs> blathering jackass. I mean, look. I I, I, I kind of want to know what would happen. Colby would kill him. Huh? Dana's not a fighter. But like, but 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 he bit. <laughs> Dana Dana can act like a tough guy all he wants, I'm sure, and his weight balloons around because sometimes he's training, sometimes he's not. Like be like, uh, like security would have to step in, right? Oh sure, like look, look, Colby would smack him. Everyone, security would jump in. We'd get a pull apart. Like nothing would, nothing further would happen. Assuming that there's enough people in there to break it up, but one would assume. True. I mean, if they ever, again, if they actually got into a fight, what Dana White's, you know, 50, almost 60, not a fighter. Colby's in his prime in a deeply competitive division and has been just busting up elite world-class athletes. That's not a fight. That's a massacre. Is Dana saying he would, like, step up to Colby if he tried to slap him? I don't know. No. All right. Look, John look Jones. every promoter, every promoter tries to play as a tough guy because, and look, they kind of have to. You're dealing with a bunch of people fueled by pathological competitiveness and insane levels of, I hate to say machismo because I don't mean it in the negative sense, but again, with that kind of, you know, who's the biggest guy on the block mentality, you have to play that game a little bit or you're just going to get run over. Okay, so John Jones has responded to the Reyes win over Weidman. Many have talked blank. All have fallen. You will do the same. And about Adesanya responding to another tweet. Dude kicked up his level of blank talking after his coach said, I'm too mean. No need for me to engage anymore. Already won that one. Um... I should just wait for the winner of DC and Stipe, question mark. Let these light heavies figure out who's going to present the best challenge. Probably going to need a few months to pack on some muscle anyway. You know, it it does bear noting. Yeah. As far as John Jones goes. Yep. This is a guy who has missed out on like five different blockbuster fights. Some of them due to his own, and look, some of them are entirely on him. This is this is not, oh, woe is John Jones. But Jones versus, remember when he was going to be the one to move up to heavyweight and fight Stipe? So Jones-Stipe, didn't happen. Jones-Lesnar, didn't happen. Trilogy fight with Cormier, not going to happen. Remember when uh, Anderson Silva was going to move up and fight John? Not going to happen. It never got serious, though. So. Sure, but. Yeah, that also would have been a blockbuster fight. Chris I, Weidman. What was the fight I should have, should I thought should have happened in that era several years ago? But both guys were running away from that fight, you know. Uh, yeah, and I mean Weidman. Even when Weidman was champion, you know, he was always a big guy for the division, and yeah. there was talk of him moving up to fight John. Like that was that was always a talking point. Yeah, that's because of what you know. Weidman lost again. 
again, some of this is not like it's not John's fault that Weidman came up to light heavyweight and got smoked by Dominic Reyes. John's career has managed to survive. He's he's still at the top of the heap for right now. But man, again, it's just an interesting thing to note. That guy was on the verge of so many like big fights. I mean, Connor was too, arguably. We never really saw. Yeah, but I mean, Connor came back from a multi-year absence and had the biggest pay-per-view in history. All right. Connor also uh, has the uh, biggest uh, pay-per-view in pay-per-view history. Solo's on non-committal so, retirement, so he's going to try to fight again. Uh, eh, he might. He's uh, he's just. Uh, I hope he doesn't again. We kind of went over that. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I think that's everything I've got. Greg Hardy is going to try, his team is going to try to appeal the inhaler thing. So good uh, luck. Good luck. You screw, look, you screwed up. That's the, and look, was there a regulatory fail along that same way as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah, there was. That, that dude there representing the commission should have known better. The, the screw, I mean, the regulatory screw up is, is him not getting a loss is, is not getting disqualified. Right. Like, this doesn't count against his record. Other than that, he doesn't get a win. But he doesn't get a loss either. Again, if they want to try and go that route, they can try. I mean, it's a waste of time by all evidence. Okay. That's all I have. Man, has Greg Hardy ever been worth it for the UFC? Nope. Dude had, I mean, (laughs) dude comes in with a no contest, fights a guy who takes a dive, basically. Fights a deeply uninteresting fight and now has a no contest. Like, I, I do not get that. I just don't. I don't think uh, they have brought him in this or they should. If they want it, let's see if he can actually fight first before bringing him in. I mean, in fairness to. I will say this in fairness to Greg Hardy related to his fight on the related to his last fight. If if you watch the first round and if, if and I say that just because it's heavyweights, especially bad heavyweights, the first round is the only real indicator of what they can do. He's made some really solid strides in his overall game. His shot selection in the first round was a lot better. He threw straight punches instead of looping them. He incorporated kicks very well. His footwork was better. Like, he has clearly made strides in what he is able to do in the cage. And credit to him for that. But... I, I I just don't get the phenomenon of him in the UFC at this point. I, I don't think it's warranted. And at, I do question whether or not... And, and again, look, I mentioned this. Of all the people who screwed up in that, in that fight with Sassoli, he screwed up the least. Right. A bunch of people other than Greg Hardy should have known better. But Thank you right. for the entertainment, Greg Hardy. In the chaos. Uh, let me refresh Twitter and see if anything random has happened. 
I don't think no, I don't think anything new is broken over the last while we've been recording. All right, let's go ahead and get into plugs then. So, eh. okay, lost my doohickey. All right, Jeff, what do you got to plug? Zombieland Double Tap review. Yeah, you know, decent, watchable sequel as far as I'm concerned. Not a huge fan of the Zombieland franchise, but I think fans will like it. Maleficent Mistress of Evil sucked. Seeing Terminator, Dark Fate Tomorrow for early review. Uh, after that, um, check, oh, go to 411 Mania Twitter, check out my, uh, press conference coverage of, uh, The Mandalorian. I can't talk too much about it, but there's some interesting stuff on there. Also in the 411 Mania Movie News Zone. Um, so there's that. And, uh, a couple other things I'm working on for MMA. I'm planning on reviewing the 30 for 30 special, the Chuck and Tito. Can you talk and about how how they're continuing to perpetuate that false narrative that the UFC was running away from regulation at that point in time? What? What are you saying? Uh, like Ariel Helwani's on that, and he, he perpetuates the myth that the UFC was running away from regulatory bodies. They weren't at that point in time. It's utter... Pardon my language again. It's utter bullshit. I don't remember that. That I don't remember him actually saying that. Uh, I mean, John McCarthy on Twitter. I remember him saying in the film that they started moving, that that they got to a point where they started moving toward regulation is what I recall. I haven't seen it myself yet, but I, I, I saw a big John. I saw John McCarthy's response on to it on Twitter as being like, "I don't know why they're perpetuating this false narrative." It's a bunch of myth. Like it's just, it's mythologized history. If Helwani said that, I don't recall seeing that. I recall them talking about how they they started chasing regulation, like in the later years after they bought the company. It might have been that they were, I don't know. It might have been that they were running towards it when in reality they were trying to avoid it. I, Again. Maybe. Look, but I point being, I'll take John McCarthy's it, word on this over a lot of other people's considering he was actually Ratner, there. Mark Ratner and Fertitta both regulators before they bought, before they joined the company? Um, Ratner, yes. In fact, Ratner was a member of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Okay. For many many years prior yeah. to even joining, like the UFC was running in Vegas in Nevada before he joined them. I thought it was. I mean, now I definitely had issues with the film. That was not one of them. Sorry to say. I mean, look, just the continued mythologizing of elements of that. I, I think. I think. I think it. It kind of glosses over. I think what are. I think some very significant events in the whole Chuck Tito saga. Chuck. Uh, Dana-Tito saga as well. I mean, but hey, any excuse for Dana White to get in front of a camera and say Chuck was running? What? I don't think he ever said that either. I believe he... There's an exact quote from the from the hype pieces around that, uh, around the video of Chuck did everything in his, po- in his power not to... Or, excuse me. Tito did everything in his power not to fight Chuck. Oh, I don't know. They, I don't, yeah, yeah, that is the yes. They do. They do reinforce. Well, they give Tito's perspective on that as well. 
thankfully. And they, again, I, I just brought up Dana White specifically because, well, it's Dana White. We all know what his story is at well, this Brett, point. I mean, Brett Okamoto worked on this film as well. He produced it, so. And Micah Brown was very much, from when I talked to him, the director, he was very much on board with the idea of the, the last Chuck and Tito fight, which I don't agree with, but he seemed to be very okay with it. Yeah. Anyone okay with that last Chuck and Tito fight? Just oh, and he, like, the way he described it to me was like, Chuck was, Chuck was in that fight. <laughs> I mean, what was, I don't know what that guy was smoking if he was watching that fight like that. But. Look, I think he's a nice guy, and I like the the interview when I spoke with him to talk about the film. But um, I, you know, I didn't agree with that. But you know, whatever. It's monstrably false. It's just uh, hard. I mean, I whatever. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to. De- I didn't mean to derail you there. That's what I got going on coming up for MMA movies. Oh, also for wrestling, um, they're still rolling out my Impact Media Day interviews. So I did some roundtable interviews at Axis TV. So first we got up Jimmy Jacobs and Scott Demore uh, from Impact, and next will be Brian Cage, Josh Matthews, and Taya Valkyrie. I look forward to that. Thank you, guys. All right, as for myself, this Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, Mark Radlich and I will get together and review Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Haven't seen it yet. Um, you heard Jeff's perspective. Only other perspective I heard on it was it's somehow, a, it's basically a better version of Dark Phoenix than the Dark Phoenix movie, although given how bad the Dark Phoenix... I wouldn't say that. I think they're both awful. Um, I... What you what you guys should see and talk about is Parasite. Look, I'm not going to be able to sell Mark on that. I wish I could. I want to <laughs> see that movie. I want to see The Lighthouse, too, but I can't find a showing that's within an hour of me. Parasite was a good movie. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that. I've been looking for a showing, so Parasite hopefully it'll... Is, I think you would appreciate it more than others. Yeah, you know, I am me, so... It, it, everything I know about it is right up my alley. So Exactly. Even though it's not like a genre picture, I think it's got a lot of things that I think would speak to you. So Mark and I will review Maleficent on Tuesday. Uh, week after that, we'll be reviewing Zombieland Double Tap because there's not a whole lot else that's coming out <laughs> for that period of time. So schedule has to be filled somehow. Uh, we'll be back here next week for a review of UFC on ESPN Plus 20. That should be a lot of fun. And we'll have a preview of, oh boy, UFC 244, baby. You know what? Outside of one fight, that main card is... That's one of the better main cards I've seen in a while. You have Masvidal and Diaz as your main event. Gastelum and Till is the co-main event. Tom, uh, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, and Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. Like, that's that's an exceptional main card. And then kicking everything off will be heavyweights Derek Lewis and Blagoy Ivanov. And that's going to suck, but hey. They can't all be winners, I guess. That's a really good main card. So next week, we'll have a full preview of that. Uh, come back when we'll... 
again, have a discussion about how Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz match up, assuming the fight hasn't fallen apart by then. God, oh, please don't fall apart. Just don't fall apart. That's all I'm asking. I, I'm really looking forward to that fight. All right. Uh, that's it for us, everyone. Thank you again very much for being here. Deeply appreciated. However you support us, however you share us around. Very, very grateful. Until then, on behalf of Jeff, I am Robert. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>